Back with another Mailbag Monday. It's the U.S. versus the world. An ideal Porzingis season. What these guys might do after they're done playing. A dream Celtics roster made up of guys who might not be on the team anymore. And which Celtic might turn to the dark side. It's all right now on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Be ever ready. Recognize the city of champs. Boston, baby, we do what you can't. Locked on number 18, Tatum and Brown, J team. Step back, we gon' wet that and slay teams. Of course, the Celtics, who else could it be? Screaming like KG with the Larry OB. Corral is above average, assessing the team status. Best daily pod, no cap, salary matching. Clutch like Bird to DJ, keep John on replay. Primetime, dapping up the truth on the sideline. Rain and Jays, how it started, raising banners, how we finished. Locked on Celtics pod, home of the winners. B. Hey there, welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics podcast right here in the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day over here on Lockdown, and we're almost back to every day. It's a, about a week away here from our five-day-a-week return uh, right now, Monday, Wednesday, Friday this week, and then we're back, baby, five days a week, more over the course of the regular season because we're going uh, after every game. So make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcast. Watch the show on YouTube. Let me know what you think on the YouTube page in the comment section. Let me know. Tell me what's on your mind. Am I right? Am I wrong? When I give all of these crazy takes, I'm John Corrales. I used to play a long time ago. Now I cover the Celtics for Boston sports journal. And today we're doing our usual mailbag Monday. This is a feature for the off season mailbag Monday. I like the alliteration. Mailbag Monday is going to last for a few more weeks. And then once the season starts, Mailbag Monday goes away. Mailbags kind of get sprinkled in as the season goes on. Mondays could just be a day of, could be a post game, could be, you know, whatever. So, but for now, over the next few weeks, we'll, we'll still do Mailbag Monday. You can submit your questions at johncorrales.com slash mailbag. Hopefully, over the course of time, I answer a lot of these questions organically, but johncorrales.com slash mailbag is where you submit your questions. Why don't we get to those questions, and I can stop blah, blah, blahing. Ted asks, U.S. versus rest of the world. FIBA rules. Who you got? Ooh. Well, we know that the U.S. didn't medal at the FIBA World Cup. They lost to Canada. They lost three out of their last four games. It was their B team and they were still missing guys in this, in this final game because it's gold or bust, right? They don't care about bronze. So guys were kind of sick and they didn't whatever. So, uh, so they didn't, they didn't win in the FIBA world cup. The international competition is, is stiff. And Ted says, I'm going with the foreigners and lists all of his, his, you know, uh, his team, and and honestly, I kind of have to agree. Just just look at the foreign-born players in the top five of the MVP voting last year. Joel Embiid wins. Jokic is second. Giannis is third. Jason Tatum is the only American-born player in the top five. Shea Gilgis Alexander, a Canadian, is fifth. So of the top five players in MVP voting last season, you, you have only one American born player. Uh, overall, there were six in the top 10, six foreign born players in the top 10. So 
I think the, especially under FIBA rules, there's, there's a lot more, um, there are a lot more advantages for the international team. So I would say the, um, the international team has the advantage. The best players in the world now come from overseas. And that's, I think that's great. And you know, I've been taking a lot of crap on Twitter because of my take of the NBA champions. People have been talking about NBA champions, call themselves world champions. I've said it here in the podcast before. I got no issue with an NBA champion saying, you know, we're the world champion Boston. So I cover the 17 time world champion Boston Celtics. I have no problem saying that because the Celtics, when they want, they're the best pro team in the world. Now, if you want to get into the semantic stuff, I'm not dismissing international competition. I'm saying the international competition, if you go U.S. versus France or Germany, like Germany just won the World Cup, whatever, like those teams are stacked. The Serbian team is stacked, especially if Jokic was played. So country versus country. Who knows who's going to win every any given year? The U.S. will probably be the favorites every year, but it's not a heavy favorite. It's not a given anymore. But pro versus pro, I think NBA is just the absolute pinnacle. The Real Madrid is not beating the Denver Nuggets. The, the Real Madrid might not even make the playoffs, or if they do, they might not make it out of the first round. So it just is what it is. I don't care if a team an NBA team calls themselves world champions because they're the best professional team in the world and whatever it's semantics. I don't care, but international competition, FIBA rules, United States versus a conglomerate of the international players available to the rest of the, the rest of the world. And you're telling me 15 guys, you're taking 15 guys from the rest of the world. It's just the, the rest of the world is too stacked. It's too stacked at this point. Uh, and, and another thing is the American players are starting to age out the, the American megastars. LeBron is aging out. Uh, Kevin Durant is aging out. It's up to this next generation of stars, the Jason Tatum, you know, that that's Donovan Mitchell was in this, in the, uh, he was sixth in the MVP voting Steph Curry. He's aging out. Jimmy Butler was 10th. He's aging out. So the, the, the crop of elite American players, there's like a new generation here and, and they're just not ready. Anthony Edwards had a great, uh, international, uh, FIBA world cup and he wasn't ready to carry that team. So this is, this is, I think, and I think the international team is, is just too good to beat the United States, uh, to, um, too good for the United States. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, and it's, I think it's, that's a great thing. That that's kind of how I want it to be, you know. I want all the best players in the NBA because I want the best the best basketball. And if if United States basketball is suffering, then that's on the United States to come up with a pipeline to make sure you're getting the right basketball. Yeah, there's a reason here. I, I was going to shift to the next question, but this this actually kind of I think goes into a, a bigger point that I want to make. The style of play, NBA style, is so different. It's so star-focused. And I, I think it, that's starting to do kids a disservice. And it's hard for me to say that because guys are going into the NBA and they're going to be making $40, $50, $60 million. So they don't give a damn what I got to say about that. But there's a reason why the best players, the absolute best players, are coming from these other countries 
because they come from a culture of team basketball and 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 I think they're just aside from just being physical freaks of nature I think they are prepared on a more team level where in the United States it's so it's so individually focused and people latch on to these kids at an early age and they go through the AAU process and they're coddled and they go through the camp process and they're coddled and sneakers, sneaker companies want their, want their piece. Everybody wants a piece of these kids and, and they're, they're seen as commodities more than they're seen as basketball players. And that's that, that I think is something that has to change in the United States. It has to be a more team focused system and who can thrive in that. But in a very capitalist society of the United States, Everybody's looking to make a buck and the buck is, is strong with these individual talents and people want to latch on to these individual talents. And the, when you get in early with these individual talents, then you get to be on their good side and you get to be in their inner circle and you get to have influence over an NBA team and you get to have, uh, all, all of these different kind of perks of, being associated with uh, an NBA superstar player, that I think is something that is too enticing for too many people with the wrong uh, motivations. So I think it's the, the system from the ground up. And later on, I'm actually going to answer a question about this pro, the path from being a young kid to a pro. That That system has to change somehow or something has to be added to that system to make it easier for these kids to to kind of fill their promise and and dominate this league and and be able to actually hold their own against international competition because what's going to end up happening is the United States is going to fall behind other countries and the best basketball players in the world aren't going to be coming from the United States anymore and I can't even make a case that the best basketball players in the world are coming from any particular country at all. So I just want it to change because I think the system here is, is generally broken. Okay. More international stuff. Daniel Tice, uh, Christophs Porzingis, all of that stuff is coming up next. First today's show brought to you by Ibotta. You have already gone shopping. You've already done all of your, back to school shopping for your kids or for yourself. Uh, you could have been getting cash back. You could still be getting cash back on grocery items with Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A, super cool app that gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care, pantry goods. Uh, you can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers like Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy. It's all there with Ibotta. And you're not just getting kind of points back. You're getting cash back. A lot of these apps have points systems. Ibotta gives you cash that you put into your bank account, into your PayPal account, or onto a gift card. It's very simple. Go to Ibotta, download the app. Ibotta is offering you $5 just for trying the app with the code LOCKED when you register. So again, Go to the App Store, go to Google Play, download the free Ibotta app, I-B-O-T-T-A. 
Download it. Use the code LOCK. They give you five bucks for trying it out. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store. Make sure you use the code LOCKED. Thank you for making Lockdown Celtics your first listen every day. Again, back to Monday through Friday. Uh, this is the September 11th episode, so the 18th. We're back next week. We're back five days a week. My vacation is over. My I'm back with five days a week previewing this upcoming season. So subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. This is the only, this is the only Celtics podcast that's coming at you five days a week with a credentialed reporter inside at the practices, at the games, in the locker room. So you're going to get perspective here if that you, you haven't gotten anywhere else. So if you're new, if you're just joining the show, make sure that you subscribe. Let's get back. I, I took the whole first question to do U.S. versus the world, and I, I put myself behind. So let's fast track this. Tom asks, should the Celtics bring back Daniel Tice as, as their back of bench big? Daniel Tice looked pretty good in, in this tournament, especially in the championship game. He looked pretty good out there. No, they cannot bring him back because he makes $9 million this year. So they're not trading him. They're not matching $9 million in salary. It's it's a pipe dream. Unless he's bought out at the deadline, then yeah, maybe, sure, he'd be pretty good. Uh, I like I like the familiarity. I've always liked Daniel Tice. Uh, but, but at this point, no. Because he makes $9 million and you have to match salary. And that's not something the Celtics are going to do. Sorry, Tom. Doug, I don't think people realize we're bringing in a 23-8-3 all-star caliber big man. Uh, outside of not having a, ser- a serious injury, what does a su- successful season, easy for me to say, look like for Kristaps Porzingis? I think a successful season, yes. Obviously, outside of having a major injury, that's a successful season for anybody. Do not get hurt. That's a good start. Uh, a successful season is a guy who can hit in the post, can can get the ball late in the shot clock and and bail the Celtics out. I think he's – I don't care what his final numbers are. I really don't. My my, I'm not going to say 25 points, nine rebounds, two and a half blocks a game or whatever is, is a successful season for Porzingis because there are a lot of different ways to get to that point. You, you, you don't want to – put too much emphasis on on the counting stats because it's more about how does he fit with these guys can he seamlessly fit with Tatum and Brown and can he get into uh positions to to support them to bail them out when they get into trouble to get those late shot clock uh buckets like I said to start fast breaks with his rim protection can he get in there and get a few rebounds more rebounds than we're used to can he get in there and and score and and maybe if they're asking him to help anchor a second unit can he can he do that can he make the other perimeter defenders on the on the floor better by protecting the rim can he kind of influence the game that way can he fit seamlessly with Robert Williams that's what a successful season looks like for Kristaps Porzingis it's not about numbers it's not about piling up certain stats it's about fitting and you'll you'll be able to feel him having a good season. You'll be able to feel it because it'll look good. It'll feel comfortable on the floor. He'll he'll just kind of flow within the uh w- within the offense and and the defense. 
Question from someone going by aspiring GM. What do you think about contract incentives targeting to solve the problems inherent to the Tatum Brown partnership? Bonuses for potential assists to each other, total screen set for each other, etc. cetera. Uh, impossible. Impossible to do that and set those particular kind of contract, uh, the, those incentives, because you're asking them to participate in the offense. Right. And if you're tying money to these types of things, total screen set for each other, well, you can just come down and set a screen. Like Brown can come in and set a screen for Tatum every time he brings the ball up the floor just to clear a path and be like, there's one screen. You just don't want him in that kind of stuff. I think the those quote unquote problems in the Tatum Brown partnership. Those are fixed through coaching. Those are fixed through scheme. Those are fixed through all of that stuff. I'm not, I'm not putting it on them to set screens for one another. That is a schematic coaching type of thing. More often than not, Jalen Brown's been asked to stand in the corner because he's spacing the floor. Jalen's, uh, Jason's at the top. Jalen's in the corner, and you can't leave Jalen in the corner. And that's that's like the ultimate floor spacer. That's not his fault. And you don't want him breaking a play to make sure he catches his incentives. And that's not exactly how incentives work anyway. There's, there's a little bit more to it than that, but, um, that's, that's it. It's just that type of thing. is just not possible. Frank says, I like the, I really like the Jimmy Butler hypothetical, which I talked about on a last, I think it was last week's mailbag. What if they had traded for Jimmy Butler? How would that have gone? So he asks, what if the Celtics ran it back with the big three for one more year instead of doing the Nets trade that got us Brown and Tatum? Which I understand what you're saying, but you got to remember the year before that, Frank, the, Ray Allen left. So that, that final year of Kevin Garnett was um, KG, Pierce, Rondo, Jason Terry was here. Uh, Terry was coming in trying to be the Ray Allen guy. Like that, that was gone. So I don't think like Ray Allen was here the year before 2011, 2012. Then he left. Everybody get pissed off. And be, I think because he left and because it started to fall apart, that's why everything happened. So if you just say, well, forget, forget Ray Allen, let's just do it with KG and Paul Pierce. Well, that, that doesn't work either. And I think because we saw it not work, not doing that deal when Danny Ainge did it, I think becomes a disaster for the Celtics. If you hold on one year too long, and I understand the desire to hold on for one more year, uh, but it's it was clear. History has shown us the ultimate best case scenario for that trade. Everything worked the way it was supposed to work. One of the few cases where a big monster trade and, and putting it on the other team to fall apart when you need them to fall apart, that was just brilliantly done. This is Danny Ainge's best trade ever. And so that, that tells me you, you just don't, you're not running it back with those guys. I'm not, there's no, 
there's no hypothetical. If you if you go back with with the Tatum, I'm sorry, with with Pierce and Garnett one more season and you miss out on Tatum and Brown, then it becomes a disaster because that team, KG was done. Pierce was on his way out. He had almost nothing left. That you hold on too long and the whole thing falls apart. And you you just don't want to do that. It's a harsh, harsh reality. But Danny Ainge was proven right. It's a harsh thing to have to do to make a move to trade Kevin Garnett of all people and Paul Pierce. That's two. Those guys have their numbers retired. So it's not easy. It wasn't easy, but Danny Ainge had to do it. And I applaud him for doing it. Coming back to wrap things up, we'll talk about where these guys all go when they retire and the path to the NBA for a, a, a player, all of that stuff. And uh, some personal questions And Darth Vader chimes in, got a question from a Darth Vader. So that's all next. Thank you for making lockdown Celtics. Your first listen every day, check out the lockdown fantasy basketball podcast. After you're done with this show, when I tell you that uh, Josh Lloyd is a juggernaut, he is the absolute authority on fantasy basketball. Go check him out. If you want to win your league, I don't know how you can win your league without listening to Josh Lloyd. I'm serious. Um, he's by far the most popular podcast on this on this network. Uh, and it's for a reason, because he's proven himself uh, to be worthy of that. So check out Lockdown Fantasy Basketball after you're done with this podcast. Wrapping up the mailbag here, uh, Shi Wu asks... Where do you see the players in the current roster go after they all retire? Who would coach? Who would be an analyst or take on another job? You know, it's funny. I think more and more, a lot of these guys, the high, the high end guys are going to just kind of, for lack of a better term, disappear. Like what's Jason Tatum going to do when he's done? Does he want to be on TV talking? I don't think he wants to be on TV. I think Tatum fades into I'm going to go coach my son when he's done, right? Like that's 10 years from now, he'll be 35. So we'll say 10 to, we'll be generous. Let's give him 15 years. Well, Deuce will be in his early twenties at that point. I think, I think Jason will be very happy to kind of follow Deuce around the country. And hopefully Deuce is a division one basketball player who is uh, succeeding and, or he's a, a an NBA player, and and you'll see Jason in arenas around the country. Uh, Jalen, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets into some sort of politics. Uh, I talked about Al Horford before. I can see Al going back to the Dominican Republic and coaching like the national team and doing some work with Dominican players at home. Uh, but I can see him going home there and just kind of living, living a very nice life, uh, in a very nice part of the world. Uh, I, I think when you look at who's going to become a coach, it's, I, I think the, the best coaches come from like the end of bench guys, uh, uh, like a Sam Hauser, for example, I think will probably end up being a, a decent coach or, uh, guys, guys at that end of the bench, because they need to know everything. And the more, like the more you need to know everything, and this is uh, Adrian Griffin is is getting that in uh, Milwaukee. Ime Udoka is a great example of that. 
the more you have to be a jack of all trades, the more you, I think the more it helps you as a coach, because you have a very diverse background. You don't have to be, uh, like, I think guys like Jason Kidd are tough. It's tough to be a head coach. He, because he's a point guard, I think he, he makes it work a little bit better, but when you're that elite, you only know how to be elite. It's hard to, it's hard to be a coach when you're that good at something because you kind of have an expectation of you, you have an unrealistic expectation of who, who can do what. So I think some of the end of bench guys will get into, um, we'll get into the coaching as for analysts. Um, you know, Grant's gone. I can see Grant Williams though getting on on TV. I think Peyton Pritchard would probably be pretty good on TV. Um, who else? Malcolm Brogdon could be a good analyst for sure. Luke Cornett will do something fun. Uh, he might be a coach, but he, he'll probably have like I can see Luke Cornett being a Division Two coach for some reason uh, and just having fun. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's it. But I can see like Derek White will disappear. Tatum will disappear. Porzingis will go back to Latvia. So these other guys have the potential to do something a, a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I, I think with all the money that you get, why would you want to, I guess you I guess you're bored, but I don't know, be bored on the beach, learn to fish. Michael says, what's the average route from the day you're born to becoming a player in the NBA? <laughs> well, Obviously, you don't start to figure out that you have the potential to be an NBA player until you're, you know, maybe like the the best of the best. You're probably in that late toddler stage of, huh, this kid's actually like dribbling the ball and he has a sense of things. You start to, and not like every parent looks at it like, oh, my kid kicked a, a, a ball. He's going to be a soccer star. No, it's, you can tell there's somewhere around like eight or nine or so you start to get that. Hmm. Hmm. This kid, this kid seems to be dribbling really, really well. There's, um, there's a height thing that has to come into play. Generally speaking, there's obviously exceptions to the rule. But there's generally generally a oh wow this this kid's pretty tall, uh, and and that has to be part of it, right? You have to have the physical gifts. Somewhere around eleven or twelve, the rankings start to surface around the internet. the 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 best of the best in that middle school age, like middle school teams with some really good players are, are going to get attention. Those kids get funneled into an AAU system. Those kids get funneled into, um, certain coaches, certain camps, certain kind of avenues where you've got a little bit more individual coaching. You've got a little bit more, uh, we're making sure that you're facing some equal competition. We're, we're getting the best of the best 11 and 12 year olds together to kind of see who's who. Okay. Now who stands out amongst those guys? 
And then, then now you're starting to get into freshman in high school. This is the AAU circuit. This is now getting into the prep school circuit. This is the, the best of the best start to get, find their ways into basketball academies. And then from there, they now again have to face other players who are of the same ability and who can rise to the level there. Those kids start to get into the elite camps. They, they start to show up in Nike, Adidas, um, like the player camps. LeBron has a camp. Like th those elite camps, you start getting invited to those things um, as, as you get into high school. Then from there, you're in the elite AAU system. Then you get into the American basketball system where you're on the, you know, the, the best of the best of the best get into the under 16 team USA system into that pipeline. And those kids now start to, once you get to 16, now you're what sophomore, junior in high school. Uh, those kids start to either, you're either in the, a prep school in elite school, or for some reason you're an aberration and you're just somewhere else. Now you're starting to get your recruiting pitches and the, the, the division one schools start to come around. And depending on how good you are, the elite schools start to come around your Dukes, your North Carolinas, your, you know, those Kentucky, uh, Indiana, those schools, the reputation schools come out and start to make their pitches for you. All the while you're getting overtures from people who want a piece of you all the while, as you progress through that whole process, there are people who want to be a part of your whole, you know, inner circle. And that that's tough because if parents aren't careful, the wrong person gets into the inner circle and the kid can get steered away that he probably didn't want to get steered. But, and then after that, you know, the, the college, the pro path from there. So it's, it starts really, really young. Um, middle school is where the whole thing and, and it's gross, but I don't like ranking middle schoolers. It's kind of what part of why I'm, I'm not in the draft, uh, side of things. I'm not a draft Nick necessarily, but yeah, it starts, it starts really young. These 11 and 12 year olds are starting to get some real, real attention. If you're a freshman in high school and you haven't gotten a lot of attention, uh, you're either a late bloomer or you're not going to the NBA. There's a real a small, small percentage. Uh, obviously nothing is absolute, but if you're a freshman in high school and you are of of the right height and build and your skills are pretty good, but you're not getting that attention. Uh, you're not getting calls from camps. You're not getting uh, a little, you haven't been uh, contacted by any, that, that kind of tells you unless, unless there's a, a growth spurt coming, then, then the, the NBA dream starts to fall apart very, very quickly. Um, and that's tough. It's tough for, for kids to hear that, but the, the NBA is the tiniest percentage of basketball players in the world. It's 500 basketball players. That's it. 
the world is full of millions of basketball players. They all want to play in the NBA and almost none of them do like of the people I could tell every person who says, I want to play in the NBA. You are not going to play in the NBA. You take, you line them up every person in the world. You line them up and you say, okay, John, I want to play in the NBA. You're not going to, it's not going to happen next. Not going to happen next. And I'm going to be right. 99.9% of the time. And that 0.1% would be like, ha ha, proved you wrong. I'm like, yeah, well, that's the point. You're the 0.1% that makes it. That's how it goes. All right, David B. What's the dream roster of every active player that's on or formerly in on the Celtics? So active players currently active. Um, well, I got to tell you what, right now, as far as this roster goes, let's, let's throw salary cap and all that stuff out. Most of these guys, most of these guys uh, are going to stay on the team. L- let's look at the, the guys that I might add. Marcus Smart, uh, Max Struess. This is no particular order, just guys that I, Gordon Hayward, Kyrie Irving, Terry Rozier, Daniel Tice, Kemba Walker, Grant Williams, Javante, uh, Javante Green, uh, Aaron Neesmith. Those are just names that I've kind of, kind of poking through rosters and saying like, oh yeah, these are guys that I can, uh, I think, uh, PJ Dozier. Um, and of, of the starters, I wouldn't replace, look, and I'm, I'm taking Kyrie completely off. I'm taking Kyrie off. I don't want Kyrie on this team. I understand that he's better. And you you say, hey, talent-wise, yeah, I get it. Don't want Kyrie Irving on this team. He's out. I'm not adding uh, Terry Rozier to this team. Too individual of a player. Uh, good player, good NBA player. I don't want him on the team. He's out. Uh, Marcus Smart, obviously, I'd love to have Marcus Smart on the team. Uh, Max Struess, I would think, has some, some potential. You know, if I'm giving up, uh, um, I don't know, an end of bench guy for Delano Banton for Max Struess. Yeah, I'll make that swap for Delano Banton. Uh, O'Shea Brissett, can I replace him with anybody? I don't know, Gordon Hayward maybe, but he's not, he's never healthy. So he's out. Kemba's out because he's not, he's broken. I, I don't think, like, honestly, if, of the starters, the starters stay. Like I, I'm fine with the starting lineup. Um, I, I I can replace Luke Cornett, but with who? With what big? There's no there's no other big out there that the Celtics have had that I'm like, oh, gotta have that guy. Um, like I said, Banton, I can replace Shvi Mikhailuk, I could replace. Uh, maybe, maybe I could bring back Javante green, but you know, dream roster. There's, there's not much out there. That's going to change. I would like tinker with the, the last four or five guys on the bench, maybe to bring back smart. I would like to bring back smart. We can add Struess because he's, you know, a decent shooter and defender. And then, um, yeah, Daniel Tice, Daniel Tice. I could upgrade with Daniel Tice. Question here from Darth Vader. Do you believe the force is strong in any of the current Celtics roster? Who would be the easiest for me to convert to the dark side? Creative question. The force is obviously strong with Jason Tatum. I think it's strongest with Jason Tatum. Although I can see Al Horford as a Jedi master. I think he would be my, my Jedi master kind of guy. He'd be my Obi-Wan. Um, 
but the force is definitely strongest with Tatum. I'm going to say if anybody could be turned on this roster, I'm going to go with Jalen Brown. Not because I think there's a darkness or an evil in him. I don't believe that at all. He's a really good guy. I believe Jalen Brown is is one to, first of all, be curious. Be like, hey, everybody's talking about this dark side. I don't know. I'm going to figure it out for myself. I'm going to do my own research. I think he could, I think he could do that. Um, I think he is... Definitely one to try to buck trends and, and, and like he, he doesn't want to be told what to do. So if everybody's like, don't go to the dark side, he'd be like, nah, you know, watch me. I'll be fine on the dark side. And I think he's, uh, you know, a by any means necessary kind of guy. And if he feels like he is accomplishing a goal, a little dabble with the dark side, be like, Hey, you know what? If I gotta, if I gotta go Sith to maybe, you know, get, some of this legislation that I want passed, then I'll go Sith and I'll be like a, maybe a cool Sith. And, and he, if he sees a means to an end and he, I think he would be the guy that's my guess. But again, specifically not that he's a bad guy and he has a bad guy underneath him. Not at all. Not at all. But I feel like, I feel like, uh, Jalen, Jalen would be the most willing to just kind of take a, take a, quick ride on the dark side dabble in the dark arts <laughs> eli asks how tall are you uh in shoes i'm six five uh but i believe i might be shrinking i'm on the tail end of my my height i'm gonna start shrinking but yes i'm in shoe since everybody meets me in shoes i'm six five in shoes alan finally finished finished with this podcast alan asks uh love the josh gondelman episode how did that come about who reached out uh, would you consider having any other comedians on perhaps the brilliant and hilarious Celtic super fan, Gary Goldman? Uh, I didn't know Gary Goldman was a Celtic super fan, uh, but I will reach out. So Josh Gondelman, how that happened was uh, I heard him on locked on Raptors. He was doing a show in Toronto. The locked on Raptors folks knew that he was an NBA fan. I listened to that episode. Josh name dropped me in that episode saying he listened to locked on Celtics and we ended up following each other on Twitter and communicating. And he said something, uh, recently, uh, and I said, Oh, he made a joke about Dunkin' Donuts, like spiked coffee or something like that. I said, let's, let's drink it on the podcast. You just join me, join me on the podcast. So we can drink them or something. Um, and it was a joke, but I was inviting him on the podcast and that's how it, very simple. Very simple. Um, as usual, I rode someone else's coattails to a good idea. Um, but Gary Goldman, if, Hey, if you're out there listening, would love to have Gary Goldman on. I've, I've seen Gary. He's a funny guy. Absolutely. And, and always happy to talk Celtics and, you know, have somebody actually funny on the show, as opposed to somebody like me who likes to pretend to be funny sometimes. So, uh, Josh, if you missed the Josh Gondelman show, and you're still listening at this point, uh, go check it out. I, I know I knew on YouTube it wasn't going to be super popular because YouTube is such a search-based algorithm and not a lot of people are searching Josh Gondelman Celtics, but it's a fun episode and he's a really funny guy 
and he's from Massachusetts. He's a big time Celtics fan. And uh, it's just, it was just fun and definitely going to have him back. So thanks. Thanks, Alan. I'm glad you enjoyed the show. Thank you all for tuning in, downloading the show, listening. Uh, This has been a lot of fun. I always enjoy answering the questions. I always go long with my answers. I keep thinking I'm going to be succinct and I'm never am. I never am, but I just like to talk and I like to talk to you. I like to talk to you about the Celtics, which I do Monday through Friday, starting next week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So two more podcasts this week, five podcasts a week after that. And then once the regular season starts and we get into games, post-game, every game, post-game episodes. So you'll get something after every game. Uh, lots of podcasting. No one else is pumping content out like, like this. No one who has the inside access. No one's doing it five days a week. So make sure you're subscribed. Watch the show on YouTube. would love to have you on that YouTube page. Love to see you in the comment section. And if you're a regular listener, I would love it if you shared the podcast. I would love it if you played it for your friends in the car, if you played it for your co-workers, if you played it for people at school, let them know that they should be listening to and watching the Lockdown Celtics podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day.